0: How about this one? Now you can turn me down. Sorry, recording. I haven't done this in a long time. Okay, so it flooded the shops, 87 mile an hour wind, flooded the shops and the boardwalk. It tore up parts of, or it tore up trees and parts of the Tiberius boardwalk. Today's ships can handle hurricanes and heavy winds, but they were not in today's ships. They were, uh, but they were in something a little bigger than a John boat with a sail on it. Let's be honest. I mean, they didn't have outboard motors, so a sail in 87-mile-an-hour winds, even if you take it down, you can take it all the way down. But it's still going to catch some wind. And if you notice, it says that the, a great storm and the waves beat the ship so that it was now full. So not only are they having to fight the wind and the waves, but it's filling the boat with water. Boats are not made to have water on the inside. The water stays on the outside. They float better that way. So the boat was getting full of water, and yet Jesus slept. So did he not know that it was coming? Why did he sleep through it? Was he caught off guard by it? I don't believe that he was caught off guard. I believe that he knew for a sec. Just as soon as he sent them out on the ship and he stepped foot, he's like, we're going to get right in the middle. It's going to be so bad. We can't go any other way. We're just going to be stuck there. And we're going to see how they deal with it. So let's go over to Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Normally I'm the one that uses or jumps around a lot and then I think it was Friday or or I preached Saturday. Brother Sam was jumping around and then I stuck with one scripture. I just thought it was kind of funny that I stayed in one spot but I'm gonna make up for it tonight. We're gonna make sure everybody knows where everything is 31 and 6 be strong and of good courage fear not nor be afraid of them for the Lord the God he it is yep he it is that doth go with thee he will not fail thee nor forsake thee and Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of All Israel, be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. In two verses, multiple times, fear not, I'm going before you, don't worry, whatever happens, I'm going to be there, I'm going before you, I'm not going to be behind you to watch what happens. So one reason I think that Jesus might have been a little aggravated was most of them knew this, they weren't going out there blind. They were taught these things since birth. And they just go, oh, well, this is the one time that he's going to be behind me and be asleep. Why would you sleep during this? You said you'd go before me. Psalms 37. Oops, wrong one. Psalms 37 and 25. I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now we talked about this Saturday about how we become his righteous. What is it that gives us our righteousness? It's nothing that we do in and of ourselves. It is only through him. So not only is our righteousness come through him. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. So why would they now need, or why would they now be forsaken? Well, David said that, or so-and-so, oh, that was old time, that's a, we're still there. They know these scrolls. These were scrolls that were known far and beyond, and we even went Saturday, excuse me, Saturday, we talked about how he doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, and forever. So this still applies to us too. Isaiah 54 and 10. Some of y'all should know some of these. Isaiah 54 and 10. For the mountain shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Some translations where it says kindness says, My love will not depart from thee. I mean it can go hand in hand, but love kind of gives a different you can be kind to somebody and not necessarily love them. I mean, I can hold the door for somebody and it be a complete stranger and I don't know who they are, who knows? But if, 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 if somebody told you, no matter what you do, the mountains will crumble, the seas will dry up, but I'll still love you. And just like the other ones that we, or unlike the other ones that we read, this one actually says, Thus saith the Lord. It's written right here we talked about Saturday we talked about why they did not use the Aleph because every uh, Hebrew letter has a numerical value and Aleph was saved because it's the first is saved for the most important the Elohim's the Adonai's another thing I don't remember if I brought it up but they said that once it was written it cannot be erased Once the word Elohim was written down, it cannot be erased. So when it says, thus saith the Lord, it cannot be erased. So everything around you can fall apart, but Jesus still loves you. He still has mercy on you. He never said that you won't have storms. He never said that it was going to be easy. We've all heard this quote, but the Bible doesn't actually say it. But we've all heard, God will never give you more than you can handle. But that's not true. Because what's the point? If God's going to give you something that you can always handle, you will never grow. Even even in a type of sense of... The school, you don't you don't stay with, oh, make sure you can color in between the lines. And then next thing you know, you're 35 and have a doctorate and you're going to go be a brain surgeon. Because you can color inside the lines. It has to get harder. Bear with me. My voice is, today, my voice is shot. I know why, but... If you can handle it, why would you need him? There are three three types of storms that we will face. The first type that I want to talk about are perfecting storms. When God allows a hardship in our lives to make us stronger spiritually, Job went through a perfecting storm. Let's go to James 1. I didn't cheat on that. Let's go to James 1. This is hard. Last, to- last time I preached with a handheld mic, I was in Cutter. I've been spoiled ever since then. Better if you look on the right side, there, bud. Nope. Sorry, James, one and two. There we go. My brat my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. They did not know this one. This one had not come yet. But, so why do we think that the disciples were so upset about this? We feel, and I'm sure that we've all gotten into this, and and this is what I believe that that, I wouldn't call it a problem, but it was, a misconception, they felt that because Jesus was with them, they wouldn't even have to go through the storms. How many times do we run into the same thing? We go, oh, well, I got Jesus. Why am I having to face this? And then a lot of times we turn in and we say, God, why are you doing this to me? That's these perfecting storms. It's just he pulled back the hedge of protection just a little bit. If you read the book of Job, Satan had to go ask for permission to go to attack him. And what did God say? Just don't take his life. Do you know what kind of faith Job had to have? We all talk about the faith of Job or the patience of Job, right? Think about everything that was taken away from Job. Everything that Job lost. Excuse me. Everything that happened to Job, do you think that you could handle that? I don't think I could. I'm going to be honest. There is no way Job could have handled it with or without God. So going back to that that common misconception quote about God's not going to give you anything that you cannot handle, Job would beg to argue. Because where Job was sitting, he's like, I can't do this. The only way that I can get through this is with God on my side. And he asked him, why are you allowing this? Not why are you doing this to me, but why are you allowing this to happen to me? Whoops, Skip past myself. So these perfecting storms that we face, they're gradually going to get worse. I thought it was great that Joseph saying the anchor holds. Because Jesus is our anchor. And we need to, when we are in those storms, and the only way to to see is just to look up. When you're in the middle of it and you can't even see your hand in front of your face because the rain is just so dense and you feel that there's nowhere to turn and you see the water coming in the boat. And Jesus just says, come here. I heard a story of a guy we'll call him Jake. He liked to go hiking and he was up and he was hiking around in this mountain and it was pretty pretty sheer cliff faces and uh, he was walking along the edge of one and a rock gave way and he fell and all he did was he he grabbed onto a limb of a tree that was sticking out and he knew that he couldn't hold on forever and he's screaming for help and help and help and until he just, he was about out of of, uh, breath and his voice was failing and He heard, Jake, can you hear me? And he said, yes, I can. Please help me. Help me. Who's there? And he said, Jake, this is God. Let go. And he thought for a minute, and he goes, help, help, somebody, please. Anybody out there? And he goes, Jake, I'm still here. Just let go. God's plans are bigger than your plans. For all, for all Jake knew, there was a, a, a random ram in the bush right below him, and if he had landed on it, he had to fall this far. But all Jake could see was this, and holding on to that limb, and the limb's giving way, and the whole tree's pulling out because the roots can't hold anymore. How many times do we get into those storms that God says, just let go? And we go, I can't do that. You, you don't understand. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let go. The next type of storms I want to talk about is protecting storms. <clears throat> it's where we started, but after feeding the 5,000, the people wanted to make Jesus king by force. I mean, raising dead is cool. Restoring sight and hearing is pretty awesome, but a free lunch. Now we're talking. I mean, that I like free lunch. A free lunch that packs you out like that, too. They were full, which would have been a lot. It would have been hard, and it would have brought a lot of uncritical praise and admiration for the disciples just because they were with him. The disciples would have been held to a higher standard, They would have been treated as demigods under him. They would have been the princes of the kingdom and whatever they said would have gone. And you're like, well, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good gig, right? To want for nothing and whatever you say happens. But the problem is they were still human. Even David, a man after God's own heart made many, many mistakes, even as giving edicts as a king he, he didn't make the best decisions sometimes it started off kind of bad and he had his problems so we have these things that that if we if the disciples had been given that adulation of just being put up on a pedestal it would have gone to their heads So Jesus said, all right, we can't have that. I already see it happening. Get in the boat. So they kick off in the boat. So Jesus tells the disciples it's time to leave. This storm, the storm that they were in, was a storm of protection. So think back through what's gone on in your life and the storms that you've been in just off of these first two storms that we've talked about. A storm that will make you better as a Christian. Not so much better as a person, but better as a Christian. Spiritually stronger, spiritually perfect. And then storms that are actually there to get your eye off of probably yourself. Probably you're doing something that you feel is going to be great. And you're like, oh, I I see great things coming from this. And then God goes, nope, and sends a storm of protection. Now, where they were sitting in that boat at the time, they did not think they were being protected. Right? Where we're sitting, like when I got laid off in 2020, I did not think that I was being protected. I was very angry because I was like, why would you do this to me? But now I look back at it and greater things came of it. That's somebody else we need to keep in our prayers. Perfecta, which is where I got laid off from, actually had to evacuate the building that I used to work in because there was an ammonia truck in the trailer parking lot next door that was leaking ammonia. People got sick. They refused medical care or to go to the hospital, but it's going to take a while to clean that up, and that's One, it's really hard on a business. Two, the people that ingested that ammonia. Keep them, I don't know who they were, but I just know that they were former employees or coworkers. Keep them in your prayers also, please. God surrounds you in a storm to protect you from yourself and your ego. And I know that we've all been there. May, well maybe it's just me but I'm, I'm a venture to say at some point in our lives we've all had those times that we had to be protected from ourselves and then you look back at it and you go man that was my bad I really messed up on that one I'm sorry that that is what I did lastly a storms a correction these are the ones that bring upon that we bring upon ourselves and have to reap the consequences of our actions Jonah was in a correction storm he brought that upon himself by trying to run away from what God had told him let's go over to Jonah That's a fun one to find. It's a nice small book. It's hidden right here. In between Obadiah and Micah. Bless you. So I'm sure everybody's read the book of Jonah. It's not hard. It's not long. It's four rather short chapters, one being the longest. So we'll just kind of skim through it. We don't have to read the whole thing. So Jonah was, God told him, right up here at the beginning, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, verse 3, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to help you all out a little bit. You can't run from the presence of the Lord. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you think you are at hiding, Jesus is there. That's both encouraging and and discouraging sometimes because you're like, I really needed to get away, but you didn't need to get away. So if we follow along, he gets on this ship, they hit a bad storm, and something that I found kind of funny about it, they're in a bad storm that's so bad, the people of the ship are throwing all the goods overboard to make it lighter to sit higher in the water. But where's Jonah? Jonah. Asleep by the wall. And then they come down and they actually call him because they don't even know his name yet. They call him O Sleeper. That's just what they referred to him as is the sleeper. They're like, you know, do you know what's going on? Pray unto your God. And he's like, well, I don't even have to pray. So they cast lots to find out what was wrong. And all the lots said that it was Jonah's fault. And Jonah's like, you're right. They're like, well, how do we fix it? He's like, throw me over. And then they're like, well, we know it's your fault, but that's kind of, that's murder, man. They actually say, don't let the blood be on our hands. So they throw him over, and it says that God prepared. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish, verse 17, chapter 1, prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. But if Jonah hadn't have done this, everybody wants to talk about how bad Jonah did. If you read verse 16, so we go on back, we'll go back a little further. It says, the men were praying to their gods, each one to their own God. But what does verse 16 say? Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So even in Jonah's disobedience, God made a way for the rest of the guys. Even th- Maybe it was because they were so scared they didn't want to be thrown over. But God's ways are higher than your ways. And if you also pay attention, it was about as soon as he hit the water, the storm stopped. It also says they were trying to row back to shore but couldn't. The storm was so bad that all the men couldn't even get the rowboat going. Even in a storm, if you're able to get the sail up a little bit, it'll help you go in one direction or the other. So the only way that I, I can really think about it is they were in the middle of like a hurricane. So the wind was coming from all directions because God told it to. So it's whipping them around and they have nowhere to go. And Jonah's like, just throw me over. And it ceased instantly. So he gets in, he gets in the, the fish And it says multiple times, prepared. Verse 3, I mean chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, prepared, prepared, prepared. God prepared all of this. So all of verse 2 is Jonah saying, I'm sorry. I mean chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer and the Lord's answer. Then at the end of chapter 2, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. And the word of the Lord, verse, or chapter 3, verse 1, came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, and go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it. And preaching, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah didn't even have to think about what to say. It wasn't some eloquent speech that he had to prepare. And if you listen to it, he entered into the city and cried and said, "Yet forty days, Nineveh shall be overthrown." That's a pretty short message, but it got the point across. So J- Jonah then gets upset. If you the rest of chapter three, uh, the king says everybody, even your beasts, will wear sackcloth. The people will wear sackcloth, and God changes His mind. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. And then Jonah got mad. Jonah went there expecting for God to rain down hellfire and brimstone and destroy this city. That's the only way to put it. Jonah went expecting complete and utter dissemination. Just burn it to the ground. But God did not do that. God said they did what I asked them to do. They turned, they repented. So I'm a repent. Repent just means to turn around and go the other way. So God does and does that. So Jonah's displeased and he, he walks away and he goes and he sits in a, in a, by a, by a brook and God sends a gourd the gourd grew overnight don't know how many people have grown gourds but they generally don't get four plus feet tall they also don't stand themselves up very well God's gourd did and it sat there and it gave him shade and he's like oh man that's great and then God sent a worm to kill the gourd and then Jonah gets mad about the gourd and God basically tells him why do you care so much about the material things when let me see where it is it said something like 16 and it said to the Lord I should not spare Nineveh the great city verse 11 chapter 4 wherein are more than six score thousand persons that discern between their right hand and their left hand but Jonah was more mad about the gourd how many times do we get hung up on the material things and not look at what God just did? Look at what God just brought you through. I bring it up a lot. I have a lot of coworkers that just, oh man, today's a horrible day and this and that. And I'm, and my big boss came and talked to me a while. It was a couple months ago. And he's like, you know, how are you doing, Matt? And I was like, yeah, I always say, um, what do I say? Living the life. That's what I say. See, Sister Bethany knew it. I don't even know what I said. But he, uh, he, said, he said, I love when you say that. And I said, well, I think a lot of people have forgot what it's like to not have a job. I think that that's really, when you work in a place like Cessna Textron that has pretty decent job security, especially the way that we're going right now, they forget what it's like to not have a job. They forget what it's like to have a family and not know where your next paycheck's coming from. And he was like, you know what, I've never really thought about that, but I can see, I was like, I've never met so many unhappy, blessed people to be getting paid what we get paid, to have benefits like we have, and to complain about it. You could have no benefits and be at home hungry, but here you are. Maybe you are here tonight. Maybe you're in this storm of correction tonight. Maybe you've messed up recently and think that there's no hope for you. Well, just like I showed you, my God is a God of chances. Not just second chances, multiple chances. A lot of people don't want to look at God that way. They want to say, well, you made a mistake and, and then you did. And nope. If you repent, a whole city repented. And we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. If Abraham had just kept going. What if Abraham had said, if there's just one, one person, will you save the city? Do you think God would have saved the city? I do, because Jonah tells me that he would have. Because there wasn't any righteous in Nineveh until Jonah went in there and told them, you're all going to die in 40 days. There was no righteous till Jonah walked in. And God saved the whole city because they did what Jonah said. So what if Abraham had kept going? What if you kept going? What if you prayed for that person that bugs you every single day, day in and day out? What if you showed them the love that you expect from your own family, from your friends, from God? What if you showed them that mercy that God showed you? This is a storm of correction for many of us because we look at something bad that's happened to us and we just go, oh, well, they don't deserve it. Well, neither did you hate to break it to you. Not a one in here deserved what Jesus did for us and the grace and mercy that we get. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That doesn't say it's because of the Lord's mercies or it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not having a bad day um, or that our car didn't start this morning or that we got the sniffles. It says that we are not consumed. That's pretty big, folks. It uses the same consumed on Mount Carmel when he licked up the whole altar that's what we deserve according to lamentations 322 that your very molecules would be disintegrated literally nothing left i am glad for those mercies every day you cannot get away from god And frankly, you shouldn't want to. To me, it is reassuring to know that God is everywhere I go in everything I do. Hebrews 13. Y'all told me Saturday that you believe everything that's in this Bible. So nobody can argue. Let your conversation be without covetousness. 13.5. And be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That one hits home a little bit sometimes. We all want the, maybe you want the next best iPhone or your car doesn't have air conditioned seats or. Maybe you want a Tesla to drive itself because you're too lazy to even drive. But do you have a way to get, do you have a job? Do you have a way to get to work? Do you get to spend time with like-minded believers on a regular basis? Do you have a way to get here? And if you didn't have a way to get here, is there somebody else here that would be willing to come get you and bring you here? I mean, let's be honest. Why are we not happy with what we have? I'm just as guilty of it. I'm preaching to myself. We can just put a mirror up here. This is for me. Just so you know, I'm not just trying to stomp on everybody's toes. I'm stomping on my my own. Why can we not be happy with what we have? The birds don't worry. They don't put... The Bible says this. I'm not just making it up. Birds don't put away grain for the winter. They don't have storehouses just packed full of all the Milo that they can find. Yet we do. I worked at one. world's largest grain elevator is in Hayesville, Kansas. That's literally what it is. We're packing away grain. because we're scared that we won't have any. Maybe not you packing away that grain, but we as mankind are scared and don't believe Hebrews 13:5. Or way back here at the beginning in Psalms. Both of them said that they'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's both sides of the Bible. It's not just a New Testament God that's loving or an Old Testament God that's just out to kill you, right? Lamentation said you deserve to be consumed. That's the same God. Different side of the Bible. Jonah had to pay His penance, let me go back. In the second chapter, Jonah, after Jonah began to lose hope, I would say that I would lose a little bit of hope too. Don't know how long I'm going to hang out in this fish. Probably stinks. It's kind of remarkable to me, if you know how fish work, that there is breathable air for three days. So after he began to lose hope, God told the fish to vomit Jonah up on the shore. Then what did God do? Did God tell Jonah that he had paid his penance and was free to go? No. He told him again, arise and go to Nineveh and tell him what I told you to the first time. What would have happened if Jonah had tried to run again? What if Jonah had been like, I was happier in the fish. Open your mouth, fish. I'm not doing it. Do you think God would let him have a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance? If he repented every time, read chapter 2 of Jonah. That's all it is. He's saying, I'm sorry. I should have listened the first time. He gave him another chance. Have you ever faced this, been told to go and do, but instead you hid and didn't? I know that I have. I, multiple times, have been told to go do something or go talk to someone and not did it. I've been like, well, I don't think that they'll, they'll agree. They, don't, they might not even be a Christian. The whole city of Nineveh was not a Christian. The whole city. And that was tens of thousands of people. probably close to 100,000 and some change. And God told one man to go, and he didn't. But then when he did go, the whole city repented and came to God. I know that I need to be corrected of some things, and that's what this sermon was for. I could have easily just stood out there and preached to that mirror and y'all just listened to me talk from the back of the church because this was for me. God will allow these storms in our lives to bring us to Him and show us we need His protection from from what Satan will throw at us. That's interesting it moved my text box in the middle of many of us are in perfecting storms some of you haven't been in the stronghold for a long time we all know people that this is for Jesus said a house divided cannot stand so if you are not for God then you are for Satan you cannot serve God and mammon You cannot serve two masters. God did not say, Jesus, God, however you want to put it, did not say, well, if you're not for me, you can still be good and just do your thing over here. Two masters. He said two, not four, not three, not 120, two. Me or the other one? Pick one. So if you were caught up in that, If you were in something that you were serving Satan, although that you did not realize it. If you were in a religion that was not serving God, then it is serving Satan. There's no in-between. The Bible teaches that from front to back. There's no in-between. You cannot have it both ways. You have to pick a way. So if you're doing something that's not for God, then you're doing it for Satan. And he's just going to step back and let you destroy your own life. Why does he need to do anything to you? Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. So if you're for Satan, he's not going to attack you the way that he's going to attack us in this room. Us that are following God. It's not just us in the room, but it's everybody. If you are for God, Satan's going to attack you because now he wants to get you back out of that army. Right. But if you're in Satan's army, it's going to be good. He's not going to attack you. You're going to think that things are going good. And that's why religion in that, not the true religion, but religion that man has made, man-made religion, kills people, and they have no future. The true religion, which is of God, of course, saves people. It grants eternal life when your faith is in the right place. But as you're leaving the old and you're still clinging to a little bit and you're coming into the new and learning the truth, that's where that lukewarm comes in. Because you got to fully let that go to accept this. You can't believe both ways. I can't believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers, but then believe that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are one. I can't have it both ways. You have to pick one or the other. But until, if you're still holding on to this side and holding on to this side, then you're not in God's protection, but you're not in Satan's army. And he's going to do everything you can, or he can, to keep you from getting into the stronghold. And a lot of us go, well, Matt, I'm, I believe I'm not, it's not that bad. I, I, I believe in God and I go to these things. But we have friends and we have family. We have coworkers. We have distant family. We have random strangers that you might run into that don't see it that way because they're in the forest for the trees situation. All they see is all the bad that's happening. I cannot get a leg up on Anything. I'm going to lose my job because I'm always sick or my car won't start or this happened or that happened. And if I don't have a job, I can't eat. If I can't eat, and if I don't have a job, I can't have my house and I'm going to get cold. Winter's right around the corner. We didn't have a lot of rain this summer, so we're going to have a lot of ice and snow this winter. And all they see is this. Whereas your, your perception right now brother Branham talks about eagles all the time think about the way that they see things when they're flying at 30,000 feet that mountain is this big when you can fly over the top of it why are you worried about it no matter how deep the valley is I can just fly from one side to the other but our friends and families and co-workers that are stuck down there in the valley we need to pull them up and show them the bigger picture and say, look, there is a way out of what's going on. We tell them to just, well, pray and we'll pray for you and, and those are great things, don't get me wrong, we need to pray, but we need to bring them into the stronghold with us instead of leaving them outside the door. Amen. And not these physical doors, but God himself. Bring him, in, bring them into the fold with us. The shepherd will take care of his flock, but if you are not part of the flock, the wolves are free to have you. Right, right. Right. Satan knows that as soon as you give everything to God, God will protect you and see you through the storms, give you a place to run to in times of trouble. So I implore you to look at how Satan has tried to kill you recently. Look at how the world's perspective, everything has gone wrong. And I just told you why it's happening. You're not in that stronghold. You haven't given it all to God and you're still clinging to your past. Because lukewarm is comfortable. Go sit in an ice bath and tell me how comfortable it is. Go turn the water up to 210 degrees and tell me how comfortable it is. That's what Jesus is saying. It's one or the other. You're either on fire for God or you're cold and don't want nothing to do with Him. You can't be in the middle. But we like to be lukewarm because it's comfortable. It's nice to feel, put that nice blanket on and have... Your heat set to just the right temperature. It's not comfortable to be cold. It's not comfortable to be hot. Because when it's hot, what happens? People try to cool you off. If you're too cold, what happens? People try to warm you up. People are always there to tell you that you're doing it wrong. How many times have just the 20 something of us been told that you're doing it wrong? Brother Branham got told countless times that he was doing it wrong. And he's like, we see all these people get healed. We see all these people come to God. They're living better lives. I know what it did for me. I saw a blizzard stop and go away. And you're telling me I'm doing it wrong. Jesus himself got told he was doing it wrong. They told God manifest in the flesh, you're doing religion wrong. You're going to face those trials. It's, I said many sermons ago, I think it's hardest to witness and talk to family and friends because you have to see them the most. It's easy to talk to some stranger on the street. It's hard to talk to somebody that you share a cubicle with. Because if they don't accept it, which is what Satan's going to tell you, you're going to see them tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and you're like, they're going to think that I'm crazy. I can't do it. My job's too important to me. I don't want to be swallowed by a fish. God's the same. If that's what'll get to you, then that's how God will get to you. If that's what it takes, if God tells you to go and you go the other way, you're gonna get stopped. Because you don't know if God tells me to go talk to the if God right now said, Hey, I need you to go to Privanos and go talk to that person that's about to walk in the door. We don't know if they're gonna walk back out. That's not for you to decide. But if God says go, you gotta go. You I said that. In nineteen sixty two, in Perseverance, I'm gonna close on this quote, by the way. Brother Branham said chat or uh Yeah, chapter 25. The inside is one, one avenue. And that avenue is the same place that God set every man from Adam and Eve self-will. You will to live or you will to die. Either one you want to do. It's you're based on free moral agency. And whatever a spirit that you let dominate you will bring forth the fruits. Your life will be dominated by the inside and faith. So many people rely upon these five senses on the outside. They're fine. Nothing against them. If they agree with the sixth sense, this soul, this spirit only can be of two kinds. One of them is the spirit of God. The other is the spirit of the devil. You can't serve two masters at the same time. You're wholly given to one or wholly given to the other. And if you've got the Spirit of God in you, you've got faith. And you'll believe every word that God wrote. And if you haven't, you might be... Now, the devil is not like some people think. He's mean in everything. But he's deceitful. The devil makes you think that you're right. But when you disagree with the word, that shows that it isn't the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And then it's got to be agreeable with the word. And remember last Sunday, just one little disbelief in God's word, Eve, Satan told her the truth and he never denied the word being true. But that one little part of the word caused all this trouble. The woman disbelieved it because she was hunting for wisdom instead of staying with the word. When God says anything, heavens and earth will pass, but his word shall never pass away. God's word must be fulfilled to the dot, just to the very tittle and jot. It must be fulfilled. Singers and musicians can come back. If you believe everything that's in here, then you have to believe that if you're not serving God, then you're serving Satan. You have to be sold out. No matter what happens, no matter how bad it seems, no matter how wrong it looks from your perspective, the one that created everything has a better perspective. Let's pray. Father, I thank you once again for using me here tonight. and I thank you for just sharing your word with your people and and showing us what you had in store for us and, and just kind of just digging down deep on each type of storm that we will face in our Christian walk. And I pray, Lord, that you forgive me for, for getting so upset and, and forgive me for shaking my fist at you when I was in some of these storms and not turning to you to stand in that stronghold. The storm would have been shorter. But I thank you for your mercy and your grace that is new and fresh every morning because I need it new and fresh every morning. Lord, I ask that you just plant that seed in each and every one of our hearts here today that we take this home and and we know just who that we need to talk to. We know just who that we need to share it with and and when you tell us to get up and walk, we know just what direction you tell us to go. I thank you for using us to spread your word through this through this land, Father. And I just ask that you continually guide our footsteps and watch over and protect us. Keep that shade over us on the hot days and be our umbrella on the rainy days. Let us always turn to you when we are in the middle of these storms that we'd be willing to step out on the water when you bid us to come. I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you for loving us although that we don't need it we definitely do not deserve it we much need it we do not deserve it we've done nothing to deserve your love your grace and your mercy and I just pray that you be with us as we leave here today tonight be with us as we come back Sunday the old building just bless that face that place and let the fire rain down Lord that you feel it greatly let us meet you there when we show up and I thank you for giving us your word that we may learn from it we may read it we may take it deep into us and we may let that plant grow that Holy Spirit grow out of us that we may be the light to the world that is much needed in this dark dark time Let your light shine through us. Let people want that joy and that peace and that that happiness that can only come from you and let them want what we have. and Give us the boldness to share your truths with them no matter the outcome. I just ask all these things in your mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer and friend. Amen.